father? Kay was our only daughter. I know a father's not supposed to have favorites, but when it's Kay... Mm, you smell good. You like it? Mm-hmm. What's that? Madamizer. Where'd you get it? Present? Mm-hmm. Who from? Oh, somebody. Hello, and welcome to the Screen Test of Time, the podcast where we watch every movie ever nominated for Best Picture. I'm Susan Arasland. I'm David Dog. And this week, we started a whole new decade of nominees with the 1950 awards. And we started with Father of the Bride, starring Spencer Tracy and Elizabeth Taylor. Yeah, and I'm going to use my catchphrase, this was a weird one. <laughs> Not the movie itself. The movie itself is a very sort of normal structure and kind of boring in some ways uh not bad boring but there is nothing here that's like wow that's a bizarre thing to do the bizarre thing is actually watching this after having watched the 1991 remake with steve martin which makes it a very strange experience because i don't think i've ever seen a line reading for line reading remake before is it actually see i've seen the steve martin one and all i really remember is that the wedding planner is ostentatiously effeminately gay the wedding planner is a way bigger thing in the remake i stopped to go walk oscar about 30 minutes into this movie and went to say to nikki hey this movie is like weirdly structurally exactly the same and then that stopped being true because act two is very different but act one and act three are the exact same like steve martin watched spencer tracy in this movie and is often giving the exact same performance in the similar scenes in the 1991 Father of the Bride, which is, I don't want to, like, rag on Steve Martin. I think, weirdly, that's the right choice. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that's interesting about that, because, again, I haven't seen the Steve Martin one probably since around the time it came out, is the idea of Steve Martin trying to do a Spencer Tracy role because, wow, they do not have the same energy at all. <laughs> yeah, I think he adapts it a little bit. But I do think this is kind of the most Steve Martin E. Spencer Tracy part that we have ever seen Spencer Tracy in. Because it has that mix of unearned confidence and buffoonery that Steve Martin, especially in his, like, I'm buying a lot of statues, so I'm just going to be in whatever now phase really leaned into. Mm. But the thing I was thinking about Spencer Tracy throughout this whole movie is, oh, he is in control of that dark heart of America slam thing that I said way long ago in the podcast. Oh, he knows about himself that there's this darkness here and this selfishness here. And both the studio system and him know how to use that and make it honestly vaguely endearing in the way that like we're all kind of selfish and we're all kind of terrible people sometimes like as the shared humanity yes instead of that weird early late 30s early 40s spencer tracy energy of i'm the most pious person on earth and i want my best friend to die so i can fuck his wife and it's like <laughs> whoa that, like those two are not compatible this is like he is overly concerned with how much this wedding is costing and is kind of selfish about giving his daughter away. But those are both understandable vices 
in this film. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know that complaining about how much a wedding costs is a vice. He's a little bit of a dick about it, I guess, is really the vice there. And not, like, noticing the wedding is costing a lot of money. It's so weird to watch this film from a 2021 perspective, having recently had a number of friends who got married and had weddings. Like, I got married recently, but we had a very low-key sort of nothing thing. Because it makes you realize that the wedding industrial complex as a thing did not really exist, and yet people were already complaining about how expensive weddings were. (laughs) Yeah. Because there are so many things that are missing from this wedding that are now just expected to happen that are so much more expensive. And I remember the 1991 version of it, there's something about a flock of swans, which was ridiculous and is still ridiculous if I think about this, what, 30 years later. Like, who the fuck needs a flock of swans at their wedding? You don't. Also, swans are dicks and, like, will bite you. Don't have swans at your wedding or really any event. They're bad. But this is, like, they're having it at their house with 200 people or whatever, and it's $3 a head. Yeah. Which even allowing for inflation cannot be anything like it is now. (laughs) I think a little bit that's why I think he's kind of supposed to be a dick, is that the wedding is expensive, but it's not... Eh, we should talk about the plot of this movie because we can get through it super duper quickly and then we can get back to see but i feel like it was definitely expensive for the time right i think that certainly it was more expensive than what people were expecting but the idea that you could do a wedding today where 34 dollars a person is not like hot damn we got a really good deal (laughs) yeah is wild but yeah it's mostly that i think that's the biggest difference between this and the remake and i kind of want to get into the structure so we can sort of talk about that because it's largely the same as the 1991 father of the bride in that act one spencer tracy's daughter comes in and is like i'm going to marry this guy and act one is spencer tracy going like who the hell is this guy i need to know everything about this guy what's his problem what's his deal he's not good enough for my daughter And then act two is him calming down about that a little bit and getting really in the weeds of helping plan this wedding and how much everything is costing and what are we going to do ourselves and what are we going to have somebody help us do. And then act three is the wedding itself. And that is basically the same in both movies. But I think the weird thing about this movie versus the 1991 movie is in the 1991 movie, that act two is mostly just sort of like very broad comedy about Martin Short playing gay and German. Yeah. And in this, it is borderline a psychological thriller points in act two. Like especially that weird dream sequence about not being able to walk down the aisle at the wedding is like... Wow, you went way harder into German expressionism than I thought you were going to or you needed to. I love that dream sequence. Oh, it rules. I thought it was fucking amazing. And it actually made me think how much I wish that we still did practical effect dream sequences. (laughs) Yeah. Because now it's all like CGI shit or whatever. And this was amazing they like fully had some sort of foam floor that was all black and white 
absurdist patterned fabric that he's falling into. God, it was so good. It's just that is the very different energy is that like it kind of wants a level of realism in act two that like the 1991 one is just like, let's have some people fight swans. (laughs) Let's have some stuff that isn't kind of deeply relatable to the level where like Parts of this are kind of cringe comedy because there's so many ways this could have gone wrong and I've seen it go wrong and I was in the room when it went wrong. Oh God, oh God, oh God. I think also one of the really prominent differences between this film and the 91 movie are down to the fact that the way that people are in relationships before they get married has changed so completely that you couldn't do a lot of the things that happen in the 1950 version today because they wouldn't read. You could not have a couple who basically get engaged at the age of 20 and 26 and the dad is like, wait, what was his name again? Yeah. Because <laughs> they'd have lived together for three years, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I also think it's really interesting that they have this whole like, Oh, well, he's a businessman and he's saved money and has done really well for himself. We literally never know what this groom's job is. Ever. He, like, has his own business, question mark, and comes over with a bunch of papers to tell uh, Elizabeth Taylor's dad that, look, I'm financially sound, which would not be the way that any of that would happen. Of course, that he ends up not looking at them at all. I... <laughs> And the fight they get in about the honeymoon, where she said, you know, oh, I wanted to go somewhere romantic, and he then, like, booked an entire honeymoon without consulting her. (laughs) And that almost ends the whole wedding, whereas I kind of feel like that would just end an engagement at this point. (laughs) Yeah. Because women expect to have a lot more agency in decisions like that, which, you know, justifiably... But yeah, I just went ahead and booked our entire honeymoon and didn't tell you. And it's a fishing trip to Nova Scotia. Be like, well, we're going to cancel some shit or we're not going to get married. Yeah, I think the specifically the fishing trip to Nova Scotia part is just like, boy, he fucked that up too hard. The way they try and balance it out is that Elizabeth Taylor accidentally slammed his entire hand in the car door, running off upset about it. And it's like, yeah, but she's Elizabeth Taylor, so you're going to need to do better than that, my man. You fucked this up bad. Which I also think is low-key a problem with this movie is Elizabeth Taylor is too hot. (laughs) Especially for that dude. Yes. But, like, in the script, I think she's supposed to be just just your daughter, just your average American daughter going off and getting married like every daughter does. Holy shit, why is she so hot? Like, why? Like, the. <laughs> and why is she marrying this dude? Yeah. Who is, like, fine. If that. <laughs> it makes Spencer Tracy overly vetting this dude seem reasonable, which is not the read you're supposed to have. Yes. You're not supposed to go, yeah, this guy should come in with a full fucking resume. He's trying to marry Elizabeth Taylor. Yeah, I need that much supporting (laughs) documentation to justify this (laughs) engagement. (laughs) 
it, it doesn't like ruin the movie or anything. It's just like a very weird energy every time Elizabeth Taylor is on screen because everything she's saying is like, I'm a normal girl. Everything's normal. I'm just the average girl, you know, from your high school. And it's like, girl, you are not. You are Elizabeth Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> like, I... Uh, uh... I don't know what to tell you, but no, you, you're you not the every girl next door. If if only, you know, that we all had someone who was as beautiful as Elizabeth Taylor at 21 or whatever living next door to us. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm crazy here, but I kind of feel like in a lot of ways, Spencer Tracy, while definitely being super patriarchal, is sympathetic in here i think that we're supposed to feel like he's very put upon there's a line in there at some point where one of his friends says at the engagement party that he does not get to attend essentially because he is mixing drinks in the kitchen the entire time that <laughs> look buddy your opinion is not desired anymore from now on you are just here to pay the bills yeah and i think that that actually ends up being very true no one ever asks him what he wants or what his budget is or whatever they're just like here's what this costs isn't that a good deal and he's expected to pay it the places where i feel like he is not maybe entirely reasonable are the earlier ones where you know he's uh doing shit like expecting the boyfriend to come over with a full briefcase of financial documents to justify his engagement to elizabeth taylor <laughs> I don't think he's ever supposed to be a monster in this movie. I think he's just supposed to be, like, very clearly having kind of a nervous breakdown and not dealing with this well. I do think that, yeah, this is a little bit of a shitty situation for him is a fair read. But also, at points, he definitely brings that on himself. And at points, he, like, could handle that with more grace than he does, for sure. Yeah, just sometimes this is a little bit of a raw deal for the father of the bride is like, I think, a fair read of the movie and of weddings. But I also think the movie is very clear whenever he makes a grand pronouncement or like puts his foot down that like, OK, but this isn't a rule you apply to yourself. Um, like when he is like, we have to cut down the guest list and they're immediately like, OK, well, there's like. 50 people you invited that maybe don't need to be here. And he's like, how could you? All of them need to be at the thing. They're it's my literally one couple. <laughs> it's not 50 people. Uh, and then Elizabeth Taylor is like, oh, this is all about business and it's not romantic. Because he wants to invite a client and someone he calls his best friend. Yeah, but like, there's, oh, isn't there a second one? In, no, it's the wife that does the country club th it's stuff. It's the wife. Yes. Right. And where she's like, if we invite this couple, then we have to invite this couple. And if we invite them, then we have to invite these people. He doesn't really have any say in the guest list except for that one group. And then they end up just saying, fuck it and inviting everyone. I think that's actually one of the funnier things in this film. But also, like, not very functional. <laughs> uh, as the member of a family is when he will go to the mom or to Elizabeth Taylor or to somebody and suggest doing something that ends up making it less expensive. And then as soon as that is suggested to the, another party, he's like, no, 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 you absolutely can't do that. That's no, look how much you're upsetting your mother or how much you're upsetting your daughter or whatever. <laughs> and it's like, dude, come on, own up and be like, 
this was my idea, and if it upsets you, obviously we won't do it. Of course, there's no humor in that, but that for me was the point where I was like, this is where this feels very patriarchal and very dysfunctional (laughs) yeah like there's a level on which he can't admit fault but there's also a level on which he can't appear to be as unhappy in this situation as he is in a way that makes it worse for himself but again i'm not trying to argue that this is a movie about a guy who is ruining his daughter's wedding there is a tiny bit of that at the very beginning But generally speaking, this is a movie about a guy who is maybe not the best at handling his daughter getting married, which is a very different vibe than this guy only cares about himself. This guy is jealous of the guy marrying his daughter. This guy's a monster. It's just he's kind of having a nervous breakdown. And while that's kind of understandable, maybe get it together, dude. I also think that it's more that he ends up being more of a sympathetic character than Steve Martin in the 91 movie because of that. Because it's not about, oh, the wedding industrial complex is so outrageous. It's this guy is having a hard time letting his little girl go. And that's what the end of the movie ends up being, is he gives her away at the church, and then he has the voiceover monologue where he says that all of a sudden he felt pain, which I thought was actually quite moving. And then he spends the entire reception trying to just talk to her or see her at all, and doesn't end up getting to (laughs) yeah which i thought was really sad (laughs) that does happen in the 91 version too but it feels a little less earned in the 91 version because act two goes so broad versus act two here like you really get a much better sense of the internal life of this guy than you do in the remake. Yes. The ending is largely the same. The ending is still like, oh, this was really tough for me, but there's also a sort of release and relief here that it is done, and life goes on. Like, this is the cycle of life, and we've done it. He dances with his wife at the end of both movies, alone in the house as a sort of relief thing. Right. But I do think that in this, because of the dream sequence... Because there have been more heart-to-heart scenes between him and Elizabeth Taylor, this is a movie about how he feels about his daughter getting married. Right. In a way where the 91 one is like, his daughter getting married is the fuel for all of these comic situations. Which is still true in this movie, but is less true, and also those scenes are less funny. Yeah. I kind of think when Act 2 in this tries to go broad comedy is kind of the worst parts of this movie. And thankfully it's not a ton of it, but I don't love any of the wedding planner scenes in this movie. They're fine. Yeah, I mean, they're not really funny. The guy's just fucking mean. Yeah, I think that's supposed to be funny. There's stuff in here that is... When I'm saying jokingly that like this is a taut psychological thriller... I think a lot of the farce of this movie is supposed to play as comedy and instead it does play as like, oh God, he's just trapped here. People keep giving him drink orders. This is the worst. God, like, oh, I have secondhand anxiety for this guy. And in that way, it is definitely ahead of its time because that incredible uh, anxiety comedy was very <laughs> big in the 90s. I can't stand it personally, but and the 2000s, actually. 
Yeah. Probably still. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's always sunny in Philadelphia is still in the air. So like cringe comedy is definitely still a thing. But I'm thinking more like Meet the Parents, where it's like there's somebody who doesn't deserve this shit, who keeps getting into it and can't get out of it yeah thankfully that doesn't happen that much it's just the wedding planner comes in their home and tells them that their house essentially is garbage and you know mocks everything that they want to do for the wedding while saying that they will do it that's the weird thing for me (laughs) A, a thing that expanding that role a whole bunch in the remake mostly because steve martin and martin short are friends and he like wanted Martin Short to have more to do but like a thing that really benefits the 1991 movie is there's a stated reason why they don't just tell that guy to fuck off and leave <laughs> which in this movie every time the wedding planner's caterer guy is there you're like god he has not been helpful even once why are you putting up with this and surely he's not having a good time either that's the <laughs> other thing too is maybe in 1950 this wouldn't be the case but in 2021 you would definitely have a caterer just say like we don't do that yeah you should hire someone else instead of oh well if you want sandwiches i guess we'll do sandwiches (laughs) yeah god it's not that i'm struggling for things to say about this movie it's that i feel like the scale is off in whatever we're talking about right like it's either boy the wife's outfit ain't great for the (laughs) spencer tracy's wife is just like, I don't know what the diamond zipper thing she's doing is supposed to be, but whatever it is, it ain't working for her necessarily all that great. Oh, I, th- I thought it was fine. Oh, actually, we didn't talk at all about how a lot of this wedding planning ends up being the mom essentially getting to have the wedding that she apparently has spent their entire marriage resenting she didn't get which is a weird situation i mean she specifically says she didn't resent it the whole time they were married she just would like to have a big wedding in her life and can do that a little bit with her daughter which i don't think is that weird i think that's true of a lot of moms there's specifically something and i don't remember what it was but there was specifically something where he says well we didn't have this at our wedding and she said but i wanted it yeah but he then follows up by going so you've resented it this whole time and she was like no but i've thought about it is really yeah but then a lot of things keep coming up which that for me is cringe inducing i don't even know that it's comedy but every time that she's like a woman only gets to wear a wedding dress on one day of her life or whatever it was after we've learned earlier in the film that she wore a blue suit and they got married in the living room. Every time one of those things came up, I was like, ugh. Yeah. It made me very uncomfortable. I don't know. It didn't bother me, but also a lot of the stuff that Spencer Tracy did seems to not bother you as much as it did me. So this may just be a, like, my feeling on Hamlet is everybody has a weird Rorschach blot thing about Hamlet. This may just be a good enough portrait of planning a wedding that everybody just sees, like, their own anxieties about planning a wedding in it. That's true. And also, you were not the bride. Yeah, that's very true. So you didn't have that relationship with your mom. Yeah. Or the potential for it. Eh. Like, she's not going to put you in a dress. No. You look too good in a tux, so it's understandable. Thank you. (laughs) But, yeah, I don't know. I... 
I didn't dislike this film. I had a little bit of difficulty watching it because it is a little bit cringe because of the parts where you have this secondhand anxiety for everyone. And I also just had this weird deja vu experience because other movies we have watched that have remakes, those remakes are very clearly a reaction to that film. Or at least it's like, this time it's that, but it's a musical. Or it's that, but this other thing. Like, we're putting a twist on it. And there's just kind of a straight remake that at times is shot for shot of this film, which creates a very weird feeling when you're watching it after having watched the remake. That ain't this movie's fault. <laughs> But I said a couple weeks back when we were watching Battleground, generic World War II movie number A-17, Yes, that I had this weird experience where I had very briefly seen a scene from that movie watching a Ken Burns documentary. And it kind of was a weird experience, which in that movie was great because God, anything to break up the monotony was a blessing from God. But in this movie, it was that same experience over and over again where I would be like, have I watched this scene? No, I've just watched the remake of this film that has a very similar scene to this. Yeah, I guess because I don't remember the remake that well. Literally, the only thing I remember is the fucking swans and Martin Short being this like caricature of European gay guy. So I didn't quite have that experience, but I feel like because the tone is so different that it ends up with the remake being a reaction to it whether it wants to be or not where the focus is this wedding industrial complex is so absurd and oh aren't brides so indulgent for themselves because they want shit like swans and ridiculous cakes and in this one elizabeth taylor does have her moments of throwing a fit which i think are kind of sexist and portray her as being rather silly but also like i don't care that much <laughs> Yeah, I think the only one that feels like the movie is being sexist about it and she is being specifically silly is the honeymoon thing, where the movie seems to think, just let your husband go on a fishing trip for your honeymoon. No movie, especially not if the wife is Elizabeth Taylor, but also just generally no. Certainly not if she's not into that. <laughs> yeah. A lot of the other stuff, I think it's kind of reasonable when she's like, God, you're inviting all these people for business reasons and it's supposed to be my wedding. Yeah, that's actually a pretty good point. If a hundred guests at the wedding are like business associates of your mom and dad, that would kind of suck. But again, we're getting weirdly into the weeds, I think. What else is there to talk about? But I really do think that the difference in tone ends up making it a bigger difference between the two films. But what I'm saying is I'm not sure that I'm as prepared to make that argument because you clearly remember the remake a lot better than I do. I think it's weird because you keep saying that you only really remember this one scene. Nikki also only remembers one scene. It's a different scene. It's the one in the grocery store where he's talking about hot dog buns versus hot dogs and has a big argument about like why do they come in different amounts and i'm just gonna take four. Oh, that's in this movie <laughs> yeah yeah that's a father of the bride thing. Huh. i do remember that i did not remember that it is from the 1991 father <laughs> of the bride the only thing i really remember in more of a like deja vu haven't i watched this thing is Father of the Bride was one of those movies when I was growing up that I was endlessly watching the end of on TBS to start watching another movie. 
So I remember the last like five to ten minutes of the 1991 Father of the Bride very well. And everything else I'm like, Martin Short's in that movie, right? I think maybe that's why I don't like Martin Short all that much. Is actually I think he's in too much of that movie. Mm. I couldn't really say that definitively. It's just that I remember with crystal clarity that the end of this movie and the end of the remake are almost identical. And everything else, I'm like, oh, right, that's in that movie. But I think that ended up having a very weird effect on me watching the end of this movie. Because the end is essentially the same. Yeah. None of that I think I'm going to, like, lower my grade of this movie for. It just made the experience of watching it very strange. Because it isn't even a screen test of time thing where it's like, wow, with the distance of history, the wedding industrial complex is very different, which is very true. But it's just like, wow, with the distance of history that sometimes is thrown off because the timeline is screwed, because I've watched some of this movie with 80 years of history behind it and some of this movie with 30 years of history behind it. Mm, Yeah, yeah. There's a weird experience. Uh, but we should maybe go ahead and rate and review this film. Um, uh, I don't know, like a six? Yeah, I'm torn between a six or a seven. And I think my argument is literally just because Elizabeth Taylor is too hot, six. <laughs> like, I think... <laughs> it just makes it absurd. I, it's not believable. It It is. and I, I'm not disagreeing. And it does make the emotional heart-to-heart scenes that are kind of the spine of this movie a little bit weird. I think they still work. I think both Spencer Tracy and Elizabeth Taylor are giving good performances in them. I think she's literally just too hot. And it just, it makes the scenes weird. That, that's fair. I think that's fair. And I agree. Like, I've I had that experience, too, <laughs> where I'm like, how is Elizabeth Taylor losing her fucking mind that her husband made a fishing trip to Nova Scotia the point of their honeymoon because that would not happen. Yeah, because like, here's the thing. There is an hour delay in real time and not in real time, but in 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 universe, there is an hour delay between her finding this out and being upset about it and her fiance regretting everything and apologizing. Whereas I feel like if Elizabeth Taylor was going to marry me and looked sad for a single moment, I would be like, oh God, what did I do? What? I'm so sorry. Oh Jesus. Oh Christ. I'll take everything back. Should I buy Nova Scotia? What do you need? Like I, (laughs) and so the idea that he like gets up this real head of steam and calls her like a spoiled brat. No, he didn't. That's Elizabeth Taylor. That didn't happen. I mean, and we have a historical record that says that, you know, men in the world throughout her life basically bought Nova Scotia for her. So (laughs) Exactly. Uh, I will say, though, I think she is doing a very good job of acting, which I found to be surprising, to be honest. I think I had always just assumed that the reason she was in a lot of movies is because she was pretty and not because she was very good. And I think she's actually doing a good job with this part and has decent comic timing and is making herself as relatable as possible. (laughs) Yeah, the problem is absolutely not her performance. The problem is the casting. So, yeah, six. Yeah, six. uh I would lean toward watch this movie. I had a weird time watching it, but I didn't have a bad time watching it. Uh, I would say it's not a must-see at all. I mean, if you want to watch it, 
go ahead, but it is not one where I'm like, oh my God, you have to see this film. It is one of the movies where in retrospect, it's like, how did this end up being Oscar nominated? Because it's fine. (laughs) You know, I think it is. I mean, here's the weird spot this movie is in. Given the five movies we just watched, this would have been Best Picture in 1949. Yeah. However... We are about to watch Sunset Boulevard and All About Eve. So this movie is fucked. That's fair. This movie is just unbelievably screwed and should not be mentioned in the same breath as those two movies. (laughs) Right, right. And so to some degree, I feel bad for this movie because like, God, if they just eked it in under the line, like I know it came out in May, but like, God, was there too much post? Like, could they have gotten it in on December 30th? Just done something. But on the other hand, yeah, this movie comes out in a year where there's a lot of good movies to the point where it's a little bit strange to say this is a Best Picture nominee because it's just kind of a light comedy where everybody's fine and you go, Jesus, Elizabeth Taylor, huh? Whew. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty much exactly what it is, is that it's not what I have come to expect from an Oscar film, though I... You know, even today, every now and then there's one where it's like, oh, so they just nominated the feel-good family comedy that made a billion dollars. Okay. (laughs) Uh, And that's what this feels like. Yeah. You know, it's fine. Is it great art? No. Is it terribly important? No. It's it's fine. Yeah. (laughs) I think at a six, it's slightly better than fine, but not much. I'm giving it a six for the dream sequence. Fair. Yeah. I think it taps into something about weddings and, you know, being the father of the bride that I think resonates with a lot of people and manages to kind of really tap into that semi-universal experience. I don't know. Not everybody gives away their bride at a wedding, but like everybody's sort of been one degree of separation for that. Everybody's been to a wedding. Yes. So I think like I get why this movie was both popular and popular with the Academy But I do think that this would be the best movie in an off year, but this is not one of the top 10 movies we've watched or something. Yeah. So, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. You're right. I should have just gone, it's fine. So next week. We're watching a movie that ain't fine. That (laughs) is great. I've never seen it, but I'm very excited to watch Sunset Boulevard. You know what? Sunset Boulevard is so good. We're finally going to break the poster curse. Oh, yeah, because this poster is fucking great. Yeah, this poster rules. And you know what movie rules? It's Sunset Boulevard. So it's it's finally going to break the curse. I feel like we had one that did before this, but maybe not. I feel like there's a lot of movies that we've watched where I've been like... Oh, uh, it's Casablanca. Oh, right. Casablanca does have a rad poster. Yeah. I'd forgotten Casablanca does have a rad poster. Uh, I don't... mm, Do I love that poster? Or do I just love Casablanca? I mean, that also could be part of it. Like, it's not a bad (laughs) poster. Like, the Maltese Falcon has a bad poster. Yeah. So, yeah, it could just be that I love Casablanca, and that is the image that I have seen for the poster my whole life, so therefore I associate it with a thing I love. And it's not horrible. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of, eh, this is, 
<laughs> this, this is, is fodder for next week. Yes, exactly. Because God knows we won't have enough to talk about next week, so we'll just talk about the poster at length. Tune in next week to find out our thoughts on the Sunset Boulevard poster. God, it's going to be so wild if for some reason you hate Sunset Boulevard after I've talked it up so much. Um, but I don't, th- I cannot imagine you will. I cannot imagine you will. Uh, yeah. If so, we'll reconsider our friendship, I guess. <laughs> we'll figure something wow, out. Wow, okay. <laughs> uh, anyway. I don't know who gets the podcast in the divorce. <laughs> we'll figure it out when we get to it. Yes, but until then. Uh, this was a movie. Yeah, it was. And then it was parts of another movie, then that was distracting. <laughs> yeah. Goodbye. Bye, everybody. I was wondering, uh, do you think you ought to get a new one? I mean, with Ben having a new one. Oh, nonsense. What are you talking about? I've only worn this thing twice. I was standing... Say, do you realize that most men couldn't even get into their cutaway after 20 years? If that button gives way, it's going to put out somebody's eye. Uh, You know, sometimes they wear them unbuttoned, you know. I kind of like it unbuttoned, don't you? Like it better that way. Hi, yeah, well, just wait, just wait. Wait till I have this thing let out just a little. You'll be surprised. You wait and see.